This is The Rundown, presented by The Runner Washington. Featuring Alex McIntyre and Kyle Paulson. Now, here is your host, the runner Washington himself, Keenan Gray. Glad to have you back. Hopefully you turned into our first episode of The Rundown. This is episode two here on SoundCloud. Keenan Gray, as always, from The Runner Washington, joined by Alex McIntyre of Yelm High School and Kyle Paulson of Kamaiakin High School. We got a lot to talk to you about today, but we're going to reflect on what we talked about the last episode, starting off with the WIS decision to start cross-country at uh, September 7th. So the WIA met on uh, July 7th, decided that cross country is going to be moved, pushed uh, back two weeks, starting September. Um, we were talked about the impact it's going to have on kids, teams, and coaches, of course. We also talked about what the expectations are going to be for the 2020 season, what that's going to look like. We have no idea quite sure what that's going to look like. And of course, we did our 4A cross country preview. Today, we will be talking about so other stuff regards to what's going on in the cross country world, starting with the latest news that NXN has been canceled. That's the big thing we'll be talking about here in the first couple of minutes. We're going to introduce a new segment this week called legend of the week, which I will turn to Alex McIntyre later on as he introduces our legend of the week, Matt Davis, graduate of Mead high school back in 1994. And of course we will do our three, a cross country preview for both boys and girls at the end. But once again, starting off with NXN being canceled this season. This is the first time it has been canceled ever in the history of NXN. It debuted back in 2004. Nike uh, put out a statement the other day saying, as we continue to navigate the evolving impact of COVID-19, we are canceling the 2020 NXN events, including the eight regional qualifiers and national finals, which our qualifier for Northwest is in Boise, Idaho. This was not a decision taken lightly, but the health and safety of our athletes, families, fans, and employees is our top priority. We understand that NXN has provided a platform for these intense competitions, showcased some of the sport's greatest talent, and gathered a strong community to celebrate their shared love for running. We look forward to bringing NXN back in 2021. Of course, that's going to be a huge loss this season, and quite frankly, it's a, it's a kind of an early decision that they made but again, it's, it's, it's a huge loss for a bunch of these athletes who could potentially running, be running in front of many collegiate coaches and perhaps win a national championship at the cross-country's biggest stage. So, Kyle, I want to turn this to you. You particularly have been to NXN yourself. You've been there the last, I believe, two years with Kamaikin. Uh, what's that experience like uh, just being there as a spectator as well as a coach? Three years, we've gone three figures in a row. Um, but you know, it's a real missed opportunity. Uh, it's just a lot of fun for these kids and a great, you know, chance for them to show what they can do in front of, like you mentioned, college recruiters. I remember last year. I mean, shoot, I saw at least twenty different coaches. I, I assume coaches, but a couple people in. Um, you know, track suits and stuff with college logos on there, looking at the kids and talking to them after the race. So 
you know, it's a great event and there are going to be kids that are going to be really disappointed, you know, with a kind of a changing of the guard this season, a lot of seniors graduating. There probably could have been a whole two new different teams that could have gone from the Northwest, hopefully from Washington. So just a, a missed opportunity for sure. But, you know, Nike's got to do what they think is best. It's, it's their show. Of course. And it, being in the Pacific Northwest, the race usually is, it's, it's a big deal for a lot of the Washington kids to get a chance to run down in Portland, Oregon, because it basically is kind of in their backyard. Essentially. Um, I am curious though, because it is July still and NXN is usually the last week of November or the first week of December. And that's about five months away from now. I mean, who knows what the world is going to be like then again, I personally, I think it might've been an early call by um, the Nike people who whoever's in charge of NXN. Um, but for some reason they made the decision and they, and they have reasons behind it. So I'm not going to argue with the professionals behind this. Cause I, I honestly, I, it, it will be a missed opportunity, but again, it's, it's something that probably had to been done. So just looking back at 2019 and what a couple of standout athletes did, I'm just looking on the boys side, Will Smith, all American finish from Lewis and Clark finished 10th overall 15, 15, nine, uh, the Kamaigan boys known as West Kennewick was 22nd as a team. And then on the girls side, Julia David Smith of Issaquah, 1802.4, another all American finish placing 18th and North Spokane, also known as the North central girls finished sixth overall as a team. Looking back at past NXN success from Washington's perspective, um, we've done pretty well. Fourth in 2017, running 15, 12.6. Back in 2014, Tanner Anderson, North Central, was the NXN champion, running 15, 11, and leading North Central to a third place team finish. In 2013, Alexi Framson, Camas High School, was first in the girls' race, running 16.50. And then another kid from North Central as well, Taylor Wilmot, 15 minutes, first place finish. Uh, for North Central. But of course, though, Gig Harbor pulling off three guys finishing in the top 20 and pulling away a national championship win. And back in 2008, if I'm correct, it was North Central who won it as a team, arguably one of the greater teams in the state of Washington. Um, any fond memories that you both have of NXN with Washington athletes competing in? That's just what inspires kids, right? That's even if you're not there, you're, you're living through these other teams and not competitors at that time, but you're just, you're supporting Washington. I remember when I was in high school, one of the North central boys, I forget his name, um, wrote a book just telling the experience of what that was like. I don't know if you guys ever saw that or not. Um, but I remember as a, as a 15 year old kid reading this book and just being so inspired uh, and realizing that they did a, you know, a lot of the same things I was dealing, but they were able to do it at that national level. So, um, Washington is, is always able to put on a pretty good show. So it's, it'll be sad to not see what that looks like this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Kyle, like I definitely. said to you, like you've had the experience and just looking back on just being there, what has been your favorite moment of being at NXN? One of my favorite moments, this might be like one of my favorite running moments ever is back in 2012 when we first made it as a team along with North Central. Uh, they announced after the race, it's a little bit different. It was a little bit different setup at um, Portland Meadows where the races pretty much around a uh, horse track. And 
we had team canopies instead of being in the big shed that they're in now for the teams. So just canopies in the middle of the course. And they announced that North Central was third and that we were seventh, which was just, you know, a big moment for our program finishing seventh at Nike cross nationals. And, you know, we were right next to North Central in our canopy. And we, we kind of tore down the canopy wall between our two teams and we just hugged it out. So it was just a, real emotional program well emotional moment for our two teams and since then um we've been our teams have been pretty close despite the rivalry that we've had here's a little quick pop quiz for you both uh there have been two girls that have ran at nxn four consecutive years in a row and had uh four top 20 finishes both all, all american finishes and they actually ended up being teammates at the University of Washington. Can you name those two athletes? Oh, yeah, that's easy. That Katie Knight and, yeah, Katie Knight and Amy Eloise Neal. You are right on there. I can tell you exactly. Uh, oh, Katie yeah. Knight was third her senior year. Amy Eloise was eighth her senior year. Katie Knight was in a third again her junior year. Amy was fifth. Amy was third her sophomore year. Katie was eighth. And I believe Amy was 14th her freshman year and Katie was 16th her freshman year. Both, again, went on to be All-American runners at the University of Washington and had great success. Amy Eloise running professionally. Katie Knight, I'm not quite sure what she's up to right now, but I know she's still continuing running and um, having success. So uh, props to those two for being probably one of the, the two of the greatest athletes out of the state of Washington. Moving on to our Legend of the Week. Matt Davis, graduate of Meade High School in 1994. Unfortunately, he won't be joining us today. Um, but Alex has got his whole spiel for us today. So, Alex, take it away. Who is Matt Davis? Cool. So, I was pretty fortunate as a high school athlete um, to have a coach by the name of Scott Dartha. Um, and he's one of those just Washington State legends. I think he's, he's um, earning that title for sure. While Matt Davis was a senior in high school, um, Scott Dartha, who's, who's one of my just really good friends now, uh, was the assistant coach to Pat Tyson at Mead. So as a high school athlete, I got to hear all of these stories of just these Mead legends that were, I mean, truly just larger than life. These, these giants that seem to, you know, be like nothing that we'd ever seen before. And, and it's funny because you grow up and you realize they were, they were high school kids. They were just high school kids, just like us. But at, at that time when running is your entire life and you're just trying to be the best, they were the, these amazing giants. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk a little bit about Matthew Davis and please feel free to interject, ask questions, um, you know, add some commentary to this. It's not like I'm going through a lecture, but, um, this was a lot of fun to do some research. Um, I, I should note that I've only met Matthew a couple times. He's the older brother of one of my really good friends, Sam Davis, who also ran at Deer Park um, with me. Um, so most of this information comes from Scott Dartha and Pat Tyson that helped me put this together. Um, so I, I kind of want to start with a quote from a, a reading that I did a few weeks ago that was made popular by an ultra runner named Killian Jornet. You, you've probably heard of him. Um, and it's the first line of something called the Skyrunner's Manifesto. And it says, kiss or kill, kiss glory or die in the attempt. Losing is death, winning is death. The fight is what decides the victory, the winner. And I, I read that and I think that's Matthew Davis. That's the Mead Boys right there. 
um, you know, kiss or kill, losing is death, winning is life. That's cool. And the, the kind of unique thing I think about cross country is it's whatever you make it. Um, and the ones who stand out, I do really believe kind of think losing is death, winning is life. Um, I have to do whatever it takes to be the best. And although that's not everything to the sport, it's definitely something we can admire in these larger than life athletes. So, um, Matthew Davis grows up a competitive kid in North Spokane, um, grows up on a pig farm with uh, many brothers and sisters and just kind of has that competitive mindset as any farm kid with many siblings would develop. Um, not a born runner, um, in the sense that like he had, you know, runner parents or anything like that. He was mostly into skateboarding and soccer as a kid. Um, but he did have an older brother, Nathan, who went to Mead high school and had quite a bit of success, um, which got Matthew into running and the summer going into freshman year. Um, and we got to keep in mind that Mead high school was sophomore through senior year during this time in the early nineties. So we didn't have the freshman to senior high schools that we're used to now. Um, but going into freshman year, which would have still been the junior high, Matt Davis goes to the White Pass running camp, which a few of our listeners might might have gone to. I don't know if it's exactly the same, but I know they still have a White Pass camp. And they run up a hill and come down the ski lift. The ski lift goes out of control. Matthew Davis flies off, um, barely escapes with his life. Um, and, and, and I mean, that honestly, this is a pretty scary thing from the stories I've heard and, and the things that Tyson has said. And he breaks his femur. So he actually can't run his freshman year of cross country, um, which begins at the junior high, but comes back in the track season after breaking his femur and wins every single race, does not lose one race his freshman year. Um, Tyson says he doesn't think he was necessarily that fast. I don't think he uh, never broke 450 as a freshman. And we've got plenty of freshmen that do that every year now. Um, but Matthew does win every race. He's the kind of guy that doesn't care about times. He just goes out and goes to win. Um, but he comes back the summer going into sophomore year and he starts training with those Mead high school boys, um, putting in a lot of miles. He's on the team with his brother. Um, and in, in it's important to note that this is when Tyson really starts developing that Mead team that a lot of us have heard so much about this, this dynasty that was successful for more than a decade. Um, Mead had won state the year before and this young kid comes out and kind of a barrel chested prefontaine looking guy, not, not a skin and bones twig runner like we see a lot, but um, kind of that stronger build. And he goes out, he takes the leads on these runs um, and, and Tyson says, you know, I don't really know how good this guy's going to be, but I've got a good feeling about him. He just seems like one of those guys who wants to win. Well, that year, Matthew goes on to win state as a sophomore by 13 seconds. Um, he's followed by a teammate who is in second place, um, and another mid teammate who's in fifth place and the team wins easily, um, for the second year in a row, uh, sophomore track season kind of the same thing, wins the 1600, wins the 3200 on the track. Again, as a sophomore, um, Dartha and Tyson don't remember the times, but again, they say the times with Matthew really don't matter because he would just go to win, and that's kind of what's admirable about him. Junior year, we see the same thing, wins cross country, wins the 16, wins the 32, and um, he becomes this really established runner in the state of Washington. Senior year of cross country is where things really – get fun and people start to recognize what a truly incredible legend this athlete is uh, at the state course 
he runs a 14.09 at the three-mile state course. Okay, So it's not a 5K, but it is a three-mile. It's still the three-mile record in the state of Washington today. And this is in 1994. Still holds it, 14.09. He beats his brother, his um, younger brother, Micah Davis, who comes in second at 14.46. His other teammate is in third at 14.48. Meade has a 1-2-3 punch on the state, and they score 19 points. Um, you might be scratching your head right now. You heard it right. Meade scores 19 points, and they are regarded still to this day as one of the best teams in um, cross-country history of any team, any state. Uh, just a truly incredible performance, uh, uh, performance, 19 points state meet. While training for Foot Locker West, um, Matthew slips on some ice and develops an IT band issue. He doesn't run for the two and a half weeks uh, before Foot Locker, which can be kind of daunting as you'd imagine, but he still shows up, goes to Fresno, wins Foot Locker West, defeats a guy maybe you've heard of named Meb Kofletsky, who goes on to get the bronze in the marathon at Athens, I believe. Um, so again, you know, in high school beats, beats guys that would go on to be future Olympians. After Foot Locker West, the regional race, he still is not running. This injury is kind of nagging, takes another week off finishes third at Foot Locker Nationals. This is before Nike. This is the, the big the big race. Not a team race, but an individual race. Um, and he finishes third behind another guy you might have heard of, Adam Goucher. Um, and second place is Bob Kano. And third place, Matthew Davis. So he's third behind a guy who goes on to win NCAAs. He's a senior. He's a two-time 5K outdoor champ um, and an Olympic athlete. Adam Goucher. So pretty cool, pretty impressive. Something you can really be inspired by. Unfortunately, he loses his track season because of this injury. It just keeps nagging and we don't get to see what he does. Um, and talking with Tyson and Dartha, again, it's one of those things where you'll never know, but you can think, man, he probably would have ran under 405 in the 16. He probably would have ran under 850 in the 32 as a senior, but unfortunately you won't know. After his senior year of high school, he goes to the University of Oregon, um, still struggles with injury. It's kind of this off and on battle. Um, I believe that he barely misses the Olympic trials because of injury. Um, but Bill Dillinger, who's one of those great coaches of the United States, compares him to a prefontaine. And obviously, many of you probably haven't heard the name Matthew Davis because he didn't see the same success as pre um, and Tyson kind of attributes that to Matthew being this more well-rounded well well-rounded athlete with many interests whereas pre kind of made running his whole life and that's that was kind of the difference between the two um so i just kind of want to finish up here by thinking about what does this all mean why why is he a legend um and it's it's hard to define why matt davis is so great because i think it's more about an energy and a mindset that we attribute to him um that are much more meaningful than any times. Okay. Um, Jerry Lingren, another Washington state legend that I'm sure we'll get into another week um, is one of, if not the best Washington cross country track athletes of all time. But Matthew did things that even Jerry didn't like um, ran at state as a sophomore um, has seven state titles. No athlete in the state of Washington ever beat Matthew at any point, sophomore, junior, senior year undefeated. Um, for three years, and he won every state championship he ever competed in. Um, so when thinking about Matthew Davis, 
you know, things that you have to recognize is that he, he hated to lose. Um, he didn't care about times. He wasn't chasing PRs. He was there to get into a race and win whatever that meant. Um, you know, somebody who's just comfortable with pain and breaking through and reaching that next level. That is something I think all athletes really strive to do. Um, and these are, these are Tyson's words that I'm using here as somebody who coached him. So I'll finish by telling you a really short, short story. My junior year of high school uh, was the first year my high school team, Deer Park, had qualified for state. And with Sam, um, his younger brother, being on that team, Matthew shows up to give us some inspiring words. And he says, you guys are going to have so much adrenaline and so much emotion going to the state meet. Just do everything you can to make sure your first mile isn't under 420. And we all laugh, but it's funny because we believed every word he said that this guy actually was concerned with us going out under 420 because that was his mindset, you know, just off of his mile PR, but it didn't matter because he was going to win and it didn't matter what, what, um, what it took to do that. So I think Matthew Davis is truly the, the greatest legend, the greatest high school runner that Washington state has ever seen. Um, I know his family well, and they're all kind of the similar mindset of just wanting to be great, wanting to um, just, just be something greater than yourself. And I think that's the takeaway from this through, through all these listeners is you, you really should just be daring to be something great. Don't be content with being average be somebody like this legend who um, wants to be greater than what the expectation is and, and do whatever it takes. So that is Matthew Davis. One of my favorite quotes of all time relating to Steve Prefontaine and I have it on my cell phone background is to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Matthew Davis is a prime example of not give if just if you give your lesson your best, you're not going to be able to be as successful as you want to be. Matthew Davis is a prime example of someone who goes out there and gets the job done, regardless of the situation, whether he's got a broken ankle or he's uh, running th four under four minutes for his first mile and a two mile, he's going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. And I really wish I lived in, I was alive in the time in the nineties to witness what he did, because he sounds like a phenomenal track and field and cross country athlete that has come through this, state of Washington. Unfortunately, he was an Oregon Duck, so there's that I have with him a little bit, but you know, we have our we have our quirks here. So, uh but yeah, Matthew Davis, one of the best to do it here in the state of Washington. Alex, thank you for doing that research on that. It was really fun to learn about him. Kyle, what do you remember of Matt Davis? Well, I was just 1 years old when he was winning state titles, but uh you know, he is one of those examples that head coach at Kamike and Matt Rexis would use all the time. You know, after he said, after seeing the way Matt Davis ran and, you know, the size that he was, like Alex mentioned, he wasn't built like a typical runner. Um, you know, he never put a label on how good an athlete could be just by the way they were built. So, you know, he's still someone that Rexis points to as an example of just a, a bulldozer of a runner. You know, he just went out and got stuff done and, you know, just incredible, incredible stuff. And I thought we just witnessed the greatest team of all time this last fall from North Central ladies getting in 21 points, but man, 19 points and having three guys finish in the top three. Of course, North Central did that this year with Allie Janke, Aaron Hill, and Amilu Ruff. 
but still 19 points in a state meet. Incredible. Out, incredible. First of all, how do you, how do you even come up with that good of a team? I mean, of course there's something that goes along the lines of putting a team together. I mean, it's incredible what they did. And Alex, you've had the chance to talk to Matt Davis. So, I mean, again, how is, how is it that you have that good of a team? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in what Pat Tyson does and what he did at, at Mead high school. And I think the difference and maybe one of the few differences and, and you know, I wasn't a part of this. I, again, I was one year old too, like, like Kyle, when this was all happening, but from the things I hear, this was a group of guys that Tyson just convinced they were the best. You are the best because you do these things, you go above and beyond. And they believed it 100%. And the power of belief that those Mead boys had for, for so long is what defined them and, and what separated them from everybody else. You know, this Northern Spokane doesn't have just better quality athletes. It doesn't work that way, right? Um, but they did have a group of people who bought into something, believed in it, um, gained some momentum, had some talent, and created these really incredible teams. After Matthew left, they, they continued to be very good for a long time. So it's, it's really cool. And as, as a coach, I'm really inspired by the things that, that Tyson um, and Darth as the assistant did there. Biggest takeaway for our listeners, do the work, do the training, get that mileage in because it could take you pretty far in your cross-country career and hopefully you can be as successful as Matthew Davis or even better. So moving on to, listen our, to your coach. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Listen to your coaches. I mean, we got two coaches right here. Prime example, listen to your coaches because they know what they're talking about. They've been through and they know, understand um, what it takes to be successful. Moving, on to, our, <laughs> moving, moving on to our last segment of the day, 3A preview. I know you're all anxious and excited to learn about it. Although we've had, our previews posted on the, the Runner Washington's website. You can check those out. Uh, we're going to start off with the 3A boys. Just reflecting on last year, of course, Kamaya Kim wins it for a third consecutive year in a row. Arguably one of the, the better Braves. teams of – what was that? Go Braves. Yes. It was the third consecutive year that the Braves have won it. Isaac Teeples, individual champion, running 15-18 at the state course. Kamiakin now moves up to the 4A ranks, and it's kind of a it's I wouldn't necessarily say it's an open, wide open field for anybody to win it now, but from a team perspective, it is. But from an individual perspective, it's it's gonna be tough, and we don't know what to expect from the season. But I will name off my top seven guys to watch for this season. Starting off with Bishop Lanchette's Will Schneider, the super frosh, now going to be a super sophomore, uh, the, the freshman of the year last year. Last season for the runner Washington ran 1539 and placed seventh overall leading the, or was a contributor to the Braves second place team finish. Hailing from North central, Leif Swanson finished 21st at the state meet last fall. Sophomore season, he was seventh at the state meet on the brand new course, ran 1553.8. New name that most of you probably have never heard of, but we'll get to know this season. If we have a season, Bainbridge's Sean Westerhout of, uh, Bainbridge. I don't even know why I repeated that. Uh, 1546.4 ran a PR at the state meet. And uh, again, one of those guys that you never even heard about until the last meet of the season because he wasn't in the 15 minute range. In fact, he hadn't broken the 15 or 16 minute barrier until that's that state meet where he finished 11th 
overall. Samir Amin, North Thurston, you guys have heard of him. He's an 800-meter runner predominantly, but is now coming around in the 5,000 and could uh, be a factor this season down in Thurston County in that really tough league with Yelm, North Thurston, and a bunch of other schools. So Samir Amin from North Thurston. And I'm going to pronounce this guy's name right. Yelm's Bryce Sirkinick. Uh, easily the top guy coming back this season and one of those guys really, really wanting to chase down for a state championship this season. He's been on the podium a few times, but just hasn't quite clicked at the state meet and had the perfect race in order to win a state championship. And then I, my last two guys are both from Arlington High School, Vincent Loftus and Aiden Emerson. Aiden Emerson was, fit, was 26. Last fall, running 16.05 with a PR of 15.34 at the Nike Hole in the Wall Invitational. And Vincent Loftus was 22nd at the state meet, 16.01 his time in Pasco, and has a PR of 15.52 from the West Coast North Sound Cross Country Championships his sophomore season for Arlington. So that is the top seven. Going over those top seven, which of those stand out the most? Alex, of course, I know who you're going to pick because it's your own guy. So... Let's start with you. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, Bryce is – he's legit. He's the real deal. Um, I, I always like to have the mentality that the funnest way to win is when no one sees you coming, but I think we see Bryce Sirkinek coming this year. Um, I don't want to speak too much on that because – because I have been coaching him and I'm pretty invested in this athlete. So I'm a little bit biased, but he's the top returner on paper. If you look at the facts, um, he's won some pretty major races like the Curtis invite. Also, it's his senior year. Um, he's been up on that podium a few times and, and he's pretty hungry to finally win. So we've got to watch out for Bryce. Um, but yeah, we've got some other, other big ones like William Schneider, Bishop Blanchett. I agree. Uh, very talented freshman last year. I think we only started to see what he could do towards state um, where he runs a 1539. Most of his races were in the low 16, but state's this huge breakthrough for him. For him. So I'm excited to see what else he does. I also have Sean Westerhout on there, another senior. Um, another guy who broke 16 for the first time at state. So again, we're going to see some cool things from him. Uh, Leaf Swanson, North Central. I in my notes here, I've written down this. He's a loose cannon. This is a talented runner, and he's put up some some really incredible times. Um, I know that the Footlocker West course is either short or just ridiculously fast, but he ran a fifteen twenty seven. Um, we've seen him run well his sophomore year. Ridiculously short. I know that for a fact. Okay, yeah, it's ridiculously short, <laughs> but still, he's a he's a talented runner. Um, yeah, I think he was he was the sophomore right in front of Bryce his sophomore year. So he's been good for, for a while. I also have Samir from North Thurston. He is fast. I mean, this kid is fire on the track. He's, he's quick. I think he's getting stronger. I know he's getting stronger. He's a senior. He's just, you know, physically stronger and, and going to be able to pull it together for a 5k this year, I think, um, and run faster than he ever has. Got Aiden Emerson on that list from Arlington, young guy, Ran low 16s at state, but a 13 or a 15.34 at hole in the wall. Uh, another kind of gimme race, but still respectable regardless. The one that I have on here that you don't have um, is I'm going to put some faith in Luke Alfonso from Stadium. Uh, it's his junior year. He's consistent. Um, his times don't fluctuate that much. He's just much. He's always, he's always running well. Um, and I think he's going to be motivated through some team growth that they've seen. Their team was 
fifth last year, fifth or sixth. I think they were uh, sixth last year. I sixth. believe it was their, might've been one of their first state parents, if not their first ever state parents as a team. Okay, perfect. So we're going off of that momentum that uh, is going to help any individual be better. So I'm looking forward to see what Luke does. And a lot of these runners, I don't necessarily know a whole ton about specifically like Samir, Sean, Vincent Loftus, of course, this kid from stadium, this is going to be a year where it's a bunch of brand new guys, even though it's, it's a, it's a veteran group, but it's a lot of guys we haven't quite heard of because they haven't been at the top of the podium. Like some of the past runners that like this class of 2020. So Kyle, what are your thoughts on this top seven? Yeah. You know, I've got a lot of similar names here in my list. I think, you know, Bryce and leaf could potentially really duke it out for that top spot. Um, Alex is my good friend, so I'm going to give Bryce the edge there and, you know, my top pick. And then, again, familiar names we've already talked about, Aiden Emerson, William Schneider, Samir. You know, if Samir is in it with in the last 800, like you guys mentioned, he's got that 800 speed, anything could happen. And Sean Westerhout, again, names really familiar. They're the top returners. They look really good on paper. Um, I've got... My choice pick here, my number seven, may mix it up somewhere in there. Uh, ben Sonland, I think I said that right, from Mount Spokane. Ben he Sonland. was uh, Sonland from Mount Spokane. He was a freshman last year. Uh, really great performance his freshman year. I think he's got a pretty good coach right now, right, Alex? Uh, yeah, pretty good coach with Dartha there at Mount Spokane. I had been yep. on my list for a while, being you know the second fastest freshman last year, mm-hmm. and just fast on the track. So I'm glad that you put him on there. Well, Ben oh, Sondland yeah. competed in the Eastside Classic at West Valley High School, ran 4:26, I believe, and then a group of them got together for an 800 meter time trial, and I think he ran 158, 159. So again, mm-hmm. another youngster that has wheels. I can run fast and he's a very strong kid. He's, he's built well and it's got strong legs. So I, I expect a lot out of him and I know his dad's a, um, a very avid runner and knows a lot about the sports. So big things awesome. are coming out of this kid this fall. So um, looking at a team perspective on paper, Arlington is the best team coming back. Uh, they have been known for producing very good individual runners, but I've never put a strong team together, but the talent they have coming back this season with Emerson Loftus, who are, who are two runners that are capable of finishing under the top eight can do the damage at the state meet. But again, they are they capable of doing that? Uh, One runner in particular, I think of that needs to have a big bounce back season is Quincy Fankhauser, who went from placing 13th as a sophomore to placing 69th, this last season as a junior again i also kyle i think you mentioned that he might have broke his ankle or something like that or was that you alex that mentioned that uh, he had an injury at the state meet yeah i mean rumor mill this you know the the way the the athletes talk on the team and stuff i heard he had a a significant injury yeah so of course yeah that that's a big dictator as to how you perform at the state meet not being healthy all the way um but again the question still remains can the eagles live up to the hype and win the school's first ever state championship for boys cross country. Moving down the list, Interlake. If if you're Inter- Interlake's coach, you've got to love what you're coming back with next season with a 19.2 second spread between your top five runners. I mean, that's an incredible spread right there. But only a few. They they're only missing a few sub 16 guys. They they need to get some 
1540s in there, 1550 guys to give them a legit shot to compete with Arlington. North Central, as always, they're finally getting back to the top. They were down a little the last couple of years, but got a third place finish this last season behind Blanchett Kamayakin. Um, it's safe to say things are finally getting back, I think, to the North Central ways where they finally get that winning mentality and potentially win a state championship this season. And then Edmonds Woodway from the West side, uh, very heavy, heavy senior team that will bring the experience into this season. Um, many of the returning state runners, which include Josiah Ponton, Alphonse Minano, Nathan Smith, and Car- Connor Bryan, all ran personal best times in Pasco. That should give them momentum heading into this fall season. But of those four teams, I, I got to go with Arlington. Again, it's the experience thing for them, even though Edmonds does have the experience along with North Central, but we're turning the best team in the state all around. Arlington has the best shot to win the state championship for them. Thoughts on that? Yep, you you nailed it. Um, Arlington, again, with that crazy depth last year, they had 12 guys under 17, and 10 of those 12 are going to return. So we've got a... Um, you know, a group of, of older guys that are experienced and running fast. So it's a recipe for a, a team that's going to do well at the state level. So that's going to be uh, pretty exciting to watch. Also, their number one runner is a sophomore. So I think we'll see some pretty big gains and, and see him uh, drop into some of those lower times that Keenan, you were saying that we need to see for Arlington to pull it together. Uh, Interlake, yeah, that, that spread just about 20 seconds from one to five. Their best performance last year was at state, which is always a good thing. And they're only losing three of their top 15. So Interlake is, if I'm Interlake, I'm thinking I'm, I'm the state championship team this year. And I'm sure their coach is, is feeding them that every single day. Uh, for number three, I'm going to go with North central for the same reasons as you. Um, four, I, man, I think it's gotta be Mead. Um, coming down from 4A to 3A, they're going to have some confidence for sure. Um, got a 45-second spread, uh, 16.20 to 17.05. So that, that that could be good enough for fourth. We'll, we'll see what happens. I am not going to count out Mount Spokane. I think we kind of forget about Mount Spokane because they didn't qualify to state for state in that really hard region that they compete in. Um, but they were competitive with Rogers last year. Um, and they've got a pretty good uh, season returning. So I'm going to say the wild card is going to happen Mount Spokane. Uh, yeah, especially with Rogers moving down to 2A this season. This, yep. this gives the Mount Spokane and Meade a chance to get after North Central and potentially steal a spot from them to go to the state meet, unfortunately. Well, who knows? There could be 20 teams at the state meet this year for 3A schools because of how many schools are at the 3A level. So perhaps all three of them do get in, but – more likely than not, it's the West Side Classic that's going to get more bursts for the state meet or any other district on the West Side because there's more schools on the West Side, which is unfair, but it is what it is, and that's how the WIA works, giving allocations that way. Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, your top four teams as well as the top four teams? Oh, very, I mean, very similar. Obviously, you've got Arlington, I mean, with the amount of runners they have returning, you can't not have them on the podium somewhere. Um, you know, like again, you got that sweet 19 second spread returning that you can't count that out. And then North central, they've been on the podium for what the last 13 years. Uh, it's hard to imagine the podium with them not on there. I honestly, I'm giving them my top spot 
just with the history they have and their coach and the coaches there, I think they know how to get kids ready for the state meet. And with fewer races, if there are fewer races this season, they'll be even more ready to go than they've ever have been in a while. So, um, and then my fourth spot and I, I just think looking at some of the top returners, if I think low scores really help. So if you have a runner or two that's way up front, it's going to help you more than not, um, especially for the, those four or five team spots. Um, I almost didn't pick them because Alex didn't pick Kamaikin last week. So I'm, I'm, I've got Yelm as my number four, a little bit of bias, but I think Bryce is going to just have an awesome season. It's going to be a really low point for uh, the Yelm squad. So I've got Yelm and on the podium. Yeah, I've definitely heard some good things about Yelm, not just from you, Alex, but just looking on paper, the Tornado's got a, a decent squad coming back this year, of course, with Bryce Serkinick leading the way. So that was the 3A boys preview. Moving on to the 3A girls. Again, not a lot of familiar names on here, but of course, we all know the name, the top distance runner arguably in the state of Washington. There is a debate between Julia David-Smith and of course, North Central's Allie Janky. But in my opinion, I think North Central's Allie Janky by far the best uh, distance, all-around distance runner in the state of Washington. She, of course, comes back but loses a lot on her team this season. Four of her teammates graduated from their record-setting state uh, championship team. So who knows what North Central is going to look like this year. But, of course, we know what Allie Janky is capable of. And she, of course, is probably going to be winning her third consecutive state championship this season. But, of course, there are plenty of other girls that are, that are going to stand out this season. Start also with Holy Names Academy's Sarah Merkin, great on the track in the 800 meters podium a few times i think back in her junior and sophomore season seattle preps lily o'donohue mcdonald that o'donohue mcdonald last name sounds familiar i think there was a pretty good runner that at seattle prep might have ran there with the last name can't think of his name off the top of my head alex you might know who this who this is because you're a, a runner junkie here you know i wasn't thinking that till you said it but the last name does sound familiar i'd have to look into it yeah i think there might have been an older brother that was pretty darn good when he was in high yeah. school. So, um, second anyway, state back in the day, what was that? Her, her brother was a uh, second in state back in the day. I think lost to, uh, Ben Howard from North central way back. That's in right. The day. That's right. So, and do you, do you remember what his name was? Uh, Max, I think Max O'Donohue McDonald. Yeah. Uh, I think he ran Michigan. for Boise state back in the day. That's the only reason I know. Okay. Go gotcha. Well, now we confirm we have our other source Kyle here. From Bishop Blanchett, Olivia Freeman, part of that team that surprised a lot of people last year with, uh, I believe it was a fourth-place team finish for the Braves. Uh, Central Kitsaps, Maya Nichols, another talented runner. Big things coming her way this season. Uh, would have placed higher, but there were a lot of seniors in that 3A group last year that have moved on that were just better than her that day at the state meet. But she's a candidate for someone to be runner-up. Maybe even give Allie Janke a, ch a run for her money. Who knows? Um, let's see here. We got Snohomish's Ellie Baxter, Marysville Getchell's Jasmine Nguyen. And that is it for my list right there. I mean, of course, it, I don't want to make this about Allie Janky and all, but uh, again, she's the best distance runner in the state. So what can we expect from those seven girls this season? 
Yeah, I, I agree, Keenan. Allie is, I, I think she's probably the dominant runner, um, phenomenal athlete, knows how to win. I also think that she's going to have a little bit of that positive pressure of bringing some teammates with her and helping them rise, which I believe makes for a a better individual. Um, they, they don't have the same team as last year. So I think she's going to have to be a leader and she'll grow because of that too. It can only, only good things can come out of that. Um, Maya Nichols from Central Kitsap. I've watched her race. She's in our, our league here in um, the South Sound Conference. Another girl who's used to winning races. Um, and she I, was, was, I was really impressed with her race at the Nike Hole-in-the-Wall Invitational. Without a doubt, just dominated from start to finish. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, last year she was um, – uh, t- she wasn't second at state, right, but second for returners. Is that what I'm yeah, thinking? Yeah, she was 11th yeah. overall at the state meet last okay. year. She so, was the so, second junior. And there was overall. this – you know, there was this huge group right there. And so she had a battle to, to be where she was. So it's not like, um, you know, she was alone in those uh, – where she came in. So she's, she's definitely somebody that's, that's tough for sure. Um, I think I have the rest of the same names as you. So I think you, you hit it. Kyle. Yeah. Um, very similar names. Obviously Allie Jenkins on top. Number one, she's in a, a class of her own right now. Uh, Lily O'Donoghue, McDonald, uh, Maya Nichols, Ella Baxter, Olivia Freeman. Uh, I've got Sarah Merkin and then Christina Crow. Christina's from Holy Names. Okay. So Holy Names. Yes. So two Holy Names girls right there. Uh, yeah, but just going back before we move on to our teams, Allie Janke, of course, is in the driver's seat to win another state championship. But of those seven girls, who do you think has got a legit shot to make some noise this season? I, I think Maya Nichols is someone. Uh, Sarah Merkin, that is another one that pops out to me. My dark horse pick, I believe, is going to be Ellie Baxter uh, from Snohomish. Uh, easily someone who um, made quite a turnaround from her uh, sophomore season to junior year, uh, getting on to, I believe she, yeah, she reached the podium, finished behind Maya Nichols, ran uh, a PR of 1836.8 at the state course. So that's my dark horse pick. What are you going? You know, I'm just thinking, I, I like that you keep saying when you're referring to previous races, who was the best on that day. Um, and I think that's going to be important to think about when we're talking about the top girls because at that level, there's so many different factors where I think any one of these girls that we've talked about could have a fighting chance. You know, I, I think Ali Janke seems pretty, pretty dominant, but we're talking, you know, injuries, anything can happen in the sport. Um, I, I don't know if I, if I know enough about the depth of the three girls to pick a dark horse, but just looking at the, the spread here, I think any one of them on the right day could be in the fight. Kyle, what are your final thoughts before we move on to the team side? I kind of like my first one, two, Allie Janke and uh, Lily Donahue. Well, just for the poeticness of it, just her brother got second to a North Central athlete. So I just think it's, uh, you know, kind of poetic if she had a similar ending to her season. Though I would like for it to be a battle. You know, it's fun watching these incredible times, athletes breaking away and running some fast times, but it's also fun to see kind of the back and forth. That was kind of beautiful, Kyle. I like uh, that. The, the way you put it, hopefully our <laughs> viewers won't fall asleep after listening to say, someone saying poetic. 
Well, maybe not. So who knows? Maybe that was poetic about five times, I think. So oh, hopefully um, the fifth time will come up. <laughs> oh, if you said it five times already, then I probably already fell asleep trying to listen to you say poetic. Anyways, moving on season because of North Central losing everybody on their varsity squad from last year. Holy names by far is the best team. Um, they might be on an island of their own this fall with Sarah Merkin, Christina Crow, Riley Wells returning. The Cougars have the potential to have three podium placers this season, which of course is success to winning a state championship this season. But Macy McManus and Kathleen Robb are also uh, key contributors that can um, help carry this team to a state championship, their first one since 2016. Central Kitsap, uh, they stepped up pretty big time at the state meet last year. Um, their number three through seven runners definitely brought their A game to state meet when they needed it the most and helped the Cougars bring home a fourth place team trophy. Maya Nichols has a great chance to become a runner up behind North Central's Allie Janke and lead North or Central Kitsap to a team trophy, perhaps maybe in the state championship, be their first ever in school history. Bishop Blanchett, the surprising team last fall at 3A State, uh, the only team in the entire state to return every varsity runner, which all of them being seniors as well. The Braves will be the oldest and most experienced team around. Don't be surprised if they give Central Kitsap and Holy Names a run for their money even though Holy Names has more depth as well as Central Kitsap, but because of the um, experience, they've been around for a while. Bishop Blanchett expected to be up in that top three. And then my uh, last team, top four, uh, with, with a five-runner spread of 55 seconds returning, Arlen at even a better finish than fourth place, perhaps second. And if something crazy go happens, they can win a state championship as well. Um, but Bridget Scott will need to have her best race at the state meet, get down into the mid-19 minutes, while Daniela Hubble and Frances Morano are on the cusp of breaking 20 minutes. As a whole, Arlington has a faster five through seven runners than Blanchett and Central Kitsap, which I know doesn't always affect how teams do, but that could dictate in the long term. So, Yep, again, agree. Um, I think Holy Names Academy is definitely – the standout on paper right now. Again, there's there's just so many factors this year that we have to think about. But on paper, they're they're the ones. They lost their last year's four and five, but still have strong depth coming in. Um, so that that'll be fun. Uh, Central Kitsap and Bishop Blanchett. I think there's going to be some good rivalry there because they're so comparable. Um, both have strong front runners. Both have depth to back it up. Um, for for my fourth one that I'm putting in there, though, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a risk. You guys are probably starting to figure out that I want to see the underdog um, make it. I'm gonna take a risk with the Gig Harbor girls, um, and I'm saying that because they're a pretty young team, not a lot of seniors. Um, so I think we'll see a lot of growth there, um, like like we see happen with young people so often. Also, Patty Lay has been back there coaching for a while, and Patty Lay was at Gig Harbor for for a while, and then she did some coaching at Gonzaga, and now she's back at Gig Harbor for the last few years, a coach that I, I think really knows what she's doing and, and can make championship teams. So and a, I'm, I'm and a pretty darn good runner back in her day. And a pretty darn good runner back in her day. So I'm going to throw Gig Harbor in there. I like that pick. Gig Harbor with the success and history of what the waves have, or tide. I mean, the tides and the waves, it's something that has to do with the water. So The tide, yep. yeah. There we go, the tide. <laughs> Kyle, give me your thoughts. The tide pods. Um, <laughs> so very similar names, obviously, just like we're staying with Jinky. We've got whole names Academy, who are big drop after that. And honestly, when I was looking at the 
next couple handful of teams, there's, you know, very, very small room for error. You know, a lot of it's going to depend on who has the best day at state, obviously, but there just seems to be so many similarities with these teams in terms of how close they are in terms of returners. So I've got very similar teams as you guys, Central Kitsap, uh, Bishop Blanchett and Arlington. So honestly, I don't think North Central is going to be as far off as we think they'll be. Uh, you know, I think you had your last title at the dynasty's over, but I mean, they still have the best one, two, three punch in terms of returners in the entire state. So if they can just make some magic work with the, the fifth or fourth runner, you know, find some more, find another pair of twins that are fast runners and <laughs> they're going to be set. It would be nice to have Aaron and Mia Hill one last time around for. Yeah, uh, do they have twin sisters? <laughs> yeah, they're going on to now the University of Wisconsin and University of Idaho. So of course, but I mean, you're you're not wrong with North Central having the best runner in the state. That is going to motivate them to do better this season. Um, everyone's going to be watching this year, wondering what what it's going to be like post Amelia Ruff, Maria Taylor, and of course the Hill twins. But yeah, I, I again, I think Holy Names by far best team on paper with just the depth they have. And again, going to oh, expect yeah. them to win a state championship. Like I said, first time since 2016. So that will wreck. I think what's exciting about these, both these North central teams and, and I please don't take this in a negative way. Anyone that's listening. Cause I do think it's a positive thing. I think they've been able to ride the last few years on being able to say we're North central. We put on the Jersey and we're, we're a good team. And I think this year they're going to get back into we also know how to really put in the work when we when we want it most. So I'm excited to see what North Central does, but boys and girls. It, it definitely is a factor when you put on that jersey, knowing the history of your program, especially on the guy side, because the girls haven't had as much success as the guys have had in years past. But the last three years, of course, they've won three consecutive state championships. But Alex, you're right about that. You put on that jersey representing North Central and knowing the history of that program because of athletes like Tanner Anderson. Katie Knight, just great athletes yeah, that have come okay. through and have done great. Final thoughts on we went over today. Annex in. Final thoughts on Annex. Just a real bummer. Um, you know, it's not just about like the gear or, you know, the what have you that or the fun social media posts you see on Runner Space. It's just, you know, a great experience for those who can even just go there and watch and go there and participate. So really bummed out that kids are going to have to miss out on that this season. Alex, final thoughts on your legend of the week, Matthew Davis. Yeah. If I'm going to put this all together, the things we're talking about, you know, Matthew Davis due to things that were out of his control, lost his senior year of track, right? These things happen. Unfortunately, this is happening to everyone at the same time right now, but he went on to go do great things at the university of Oregon, just like these young athletes are, um, that are experiencing this, um, less than ideal situation. So be inspired by that as well as the performances that he had and, and know that this is not the end of the road. Um, I said this last time too, but life, life will go on, keep training, keep working, be inspired. Cool things are going to happen in the future. Final thoughts from me on the three, a preview, just like the cross country season in, in the situation it's in right now, it's a mystery. We have no idea what to expect as far from a team perspective, from an individual perspective, we have an idea of course, on the girls' side with Janky, boys' side with Sirkinik from Yelm. Again, though, it's still going to be a toss-up as to who brings home the Golden Runner and an individual stake crown. So, 
final announcements for today. WIA will make their next announcement on uh, July 22nd as to whether or not we will stay with the decision of uh, starting cross country on September 7th or potentially moving it forward into September. Who knows? Um, maybe the season is canceled. Please knock on wood. I hope not. It's not canceled. That would be horrible for everybody. So that will wrap it up for today for my partners, Kyle Paulson and Alex McIntyre. This has been the rundown here on SoundCloud presented by the Runner Washington. This has been Keenan Gray of the Runner Washington. We hope you guys tuned in, listen to it, give us some feedback on it by direct messaging through the Runner account. And visit our website as always at www.therunnerwa.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's program and we hope to have you again next week on our next, next episode, July 27th. Have a great rest of your day. Hey there, this is Keenan Gray from The Runner Washington. You have been listening to The Rundown Podcast, presented by The Runner Washington. For up-to-date information on all things high school cross-country and track and field here in Washington, visit our website at www.therunnerwa.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at therunner underscore wa, and on Facebook at therunnerwa, and on Twitter at therunnerwashington.